Hey, it's Arrow. PodFest brings together three different conversations from musicians to authors, doctors, environmentalists, or cooks in their own kitchen. It's real people with real stories. PodFest 49 features rockers David Elfson, formerly of Megadeth, and Frank Bello of Anthrax. Then we're really going to get inside your imagination with the written paragraphs and chapters from author David Gergen. Our third conversation is with actor D.B. Woodside. In this age of binge-watching old TV shows, maybe it's time to check back in with Lucifer on Fox. This is PodFest 49. Unplugged and totally uncut with Dave Ellefson from Megadeth and Frank Bello from Anthrax. Hey, Earl. How are you? Good, man. Congratulations on, on collaborating. Most of the time, the only time that we ever hear of bands getting together or members of bands is when you're out on the road. But this is a moment that you guys are coming together to help push rock forward. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. And and the funny thing is, as two bass players, it's like there's, you know, there's not as much bass playing as one might expect from two <laughs> bass players on it. So, but, uh, you know, we kept this focused on the songs and uh, obviously Frank's got an amazing voice and a great storyteller and we just followed that path. Well, I was just talking with Ian Port, who's released this brand new book called The Birth of Loud. And we were talking about you, you two with that bass guitar and how you guys are going to inspire a whole new generation of new bass players. Uh, that, that would be great, and that's that's the whole key is uh, get the next generation going. And uh, look, it's been very good to us, and we would love to pass the torch. And uh, we do a lot of bass clinics around the world, Dave and I. And uh, that's the whole point is to get an instrument in somebody's hands so they can create more great stuff. And that's that's the whole idea going forward. And, and, and listeners need to know as as this album comes out that you guys are also going out on a big tour. I mean, this it, it, it looks like a super band tour with Slash and 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 you've got you've, you've got Miles Kennedy as well. Yeah, it's very close. Slash has been a great friend. You know, I met him back in the early 80s um, in, in L.A. when I still lived there. And, of course, Frank, we, you know, we're all kind of brothers from another mother in that world. And, you know, and Slash, you know, here again, he's, he came back into Guns N' Roses, you know, top of the heap, rock star that he is. And he's out kind of doing his own altitudes and attitude with his own uh, record with he and Miles. And it's great record. And, and so he was very kind of him to put us on his stages. I think we're going to sound good together. I think the two bands are... It's a good mix, actually. Looking forward to it. I, I, I love the video to late. It really it, it showcases what rock really is all about. And, you know, and, and I love Gene Simmons to pieces, but rock is not dead. No, it's no. definitely not dead. No. And, and you look, it transitions. And I know, you know, I think for probably both Frank and I, you know, because we're, you know, we're known as two of the big four of the Metallica, Megadeth, Slayer, and Anthrax, you know, the four pillars of the thrash metal thing. But, you know, I think, you know, we're, we're guys that had adapted and adopted into technology early on. And, you know, you just, you know, there's a great line, Clint Eastwood from uh, Heartbreak Ridge, you know, adapt, overcome, adapt, and imp- improvise, I think is how he said it. And and that's that's kind of been our, our thing. And, you know, we got together on this and just decided to make great songs, be, be it what they may. What Did you guys put it together the old-fashioned way where you sat there in the studio, or, or did, did you practice first? What? How, how did it all you know come together? Well, we, we did actually do it yeah, in the studio. Exactly. We did not phone this in at all. Um, in fact, this is the first time that we got together on this. We, we actually were doing some bass clinics in Europe, and I, and I remember the, the night we, I leaned over to Frank in London, and I said, you know, we should really write some backing tracks for bass clinics. That's what this started, and, and we started, uh, I picked Frank up. He came through Phoenix, where I live, and he was on the Anthrax Among the Living uh, anniversary tour, and we came over to my house, and being the Italian that he is, and my New Jersey Italian wife, we we, we we had some pasta. Started off with a nice Italian meal, <laughs> and then uh, we sat down in the living room with our acoustic guitars and just started going through our ideas. And we was like, "Wow, we got like three really good ideas to go in the studio." So we got with uh, producer Jay Rustin, also a bass player, 
And um, we went in and got Jeff Friedel from A Perfect Circle to play drums for us and banged out the first round of tunes. And, and, and for the next several years, we just kept getting together and knocking three, four tunes at a time. And now we have a full length. See, and, and that's the way rock is supposed to be. It's like walking into a guitar center and everybody just says, hey, I play, I play. Then you get together and you start jamming. It is very organic, and you know. And Frank walked in. You know, I'd, I'd sing his, you know, his props all the time. You know, he walked in with just a couple of great songs right out of the gate, and and I just I was excited. I just picked up my bass and started playing. And it, it's funny how his songs brought out a whole different style of bass playing for me, which yeah. got me excited. Um, and then you know, I brought some ideas in. We collaborated on th- on things, so it's it 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 very much is a collaborative effort. And I love I love the fact that Dave has another whole side of him that I never knew. Uh, even in bass playing, it just, I think this really brought, I'm looking at him now, but I'm saying, I think this really brought a different element to, to your bass playing, because you've always been great, of course, but he's playing some lead bass on this in some yes. of the solos that, yep. as I was watching him record, I kind of freaked out. I said, like, that's just amazing. I, I did that. I, I literally said that. That's just amazing. I said, don't touch it. Leave it alone. Because it had to be on, on what we recorded. That had to be right. Thank you. That's, that, that, that's funny that you put that out there like that because I, in my own notes here, I say this is the first time that I've ever heard a rock album where the bass guitar is the lead guitar. <laughs> you know, and it, it's fun that uh, you know, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. You know, and and you know, Frank brought in an, an eight string bass. I called him before we went to LA. I said, "Dude, bring out any odd, weird instruments you have in your closet." And so we he brought we got this eight string bass, and we would plug that thing in, and and I I just pick it up, and I just start I literally like started like playing lead guitar licks on it, and and was so much fun. And I think, you know, even for Frank and I, you know, we've been friends, we've shared the stage together with Megadeth and Anthrax over the years, but for Frank and I to just sit down and not only be friends, but to kind of be fans of each other's work um, in a whole new setting, you know, to just to go, wow, I didn't know you could write songs like that. Well, I didn't know you could play bass like that, you know, and just kind of have this back and forth was really just a, a really fun brotherhood that just added to our friendship. One of the things I'm guilty of is I like to listen to music, listen beyond sound. And you know what? You guys are bass guitarists, but those drums, you, you bring out those drums in an incredible way. Yeah, you know, Jeff is amazing. Wow. And and, that, and he was suggested to us by our producer, Jay Rustin. And, and Je- Jeff's another, you know, just another one of the bros, you know, in this thing. And, I mean, he every time we would bring a song in, he would sit down and, and, and it just, you know, you we've all been in gigs where it, it's effort and then we've all been in gigs where it's effortless and this is definitely one of those that was effortless how'd you get ace freely on that team <sighs> well i tell you we were sitting here recording late and frank I'll, I'll, i have this moment in in my mind where he just stopped playing and he looked up and he goes you know who'd really be great to play lead solo on this Ace Fraley. Oh, and we all like started jumping around like three little kids as, you know, the KISS fans that we are between me and, and uh Frank and our producer Jay and so we got him we got uh we got uh got to Ace and um we got him to finally put the solo down. He was quite busy, you know, with everything he's got going on, but you know, to just be you know, he knows we're big fans and we've all shared a stage with Ace now too in, in other things that we've done and and uh you know, to just have him on there, you know, I I always joke it's like now we can be like the Kiss Alive album. Ace Frehley, lead guitar. And the crazy thing about it, the great thing I love about that Ace solo, it's quintessential Ace. 
It's, it's, it's always. From, it, you know yeah. it's aged from the first note. And imagine that. We have a, a song of ours, David, yeah. that Ace Frehley played. As fans were talking right now. When, I, when right? I hear it, I picture the poster <laughs> on the wall of him standing oh there, God. you know, playing, you know, just being being Ace Frehley from 1975. It's like right, that, yeah. that, that visual is in my mind when I hear him it's play. It's very big for us. It's super cool. Oh, my God. My Beatles moment with Ace Frehley is when he threw his pick out in Billings, Montana in 1977. And for some stinking reason, my hand got it. I mean, thousands of hands reaching out for it, and I to this day, I've still got that damn pick. That's great. You know, KISS taught us so much. I mean, everything from, like, you know, putting the picks on our mic stand, yeah. and, you know, just all this yeah. stuff. I mean, we learned so much from KISS. I mean, and, and that's why I think, I think you know, when, when fans come up to us, it's like, we know what that feels like, because we were once fans ourselves as kids, and, and you know, we're still fans to this day, and I, I always say, once you lose being a fan, it's over. This just becomes a really long job with a lot of really bizarre traveling. <laughs> so, it, you know, to, to be a fan of it, I think it always just keeps you focused on why you got into it in the first place. Speaking of fans, you guys are going to be at NAMM. What, what a great place to go market this new album. Yeah, it is actually. Yeah. You know, it, it's funny. I remember, you know, our first drummer, Gar Samuelson, that played in Megadeth, he used to work at BC Rich, and he would sneak me and Dave Mustaine in the back door because back then, Nam really was close to the public. Like, you couldn't get in. And like, if you'd see a couple of long haired musicians like me and Dave walking around, they'd throw us out, right? So that. now, Nam is like, it says, you know, close to the public, but everybody's there. And, and, and so it, it really is. It's, it's like going to a, the biggest club in Anaheim for four days. <laughs> We are Unplugged and Totally Uncut with David Gergen. I'm doing great. I'm glad to be talking to someone from Charlotte, North Carolina. I grew up in Durham. Did you really? Oh, my God. There's something about the Carolinas, man. I mean, I, I love the back oh, roads yeah. to Durham. Carolina Mafia. <laughs> I got to tell you, your book, Hearts Touched with Fire, this book right here is going to create conversation in every group. <laughs> well, I hope so. Because uh, I do think we're we're in peril as a nation, and I think we got to have some frank conversations about how the hell we get out of this mess. Well, you know, I'm, I'm glad you brought it up, and and because I for the past three four weeks, no, I want to go back to the start of the war with Ukraine, and and I keep asking on my iHeartRadio channels, are we the final generation? I don't want to say yes. Final generation? No, I don't think we're in peril of, uh, of collapsing as a nation, uh, but I think we're in peril of. Um, of, of, of uh, having some irreversible problems uh, if we don't get our act together, and, especially through. And, and and part of that act together means that maybe we need some new blood, younger blood, inside those offices absolutely, in Washington. Absolutely, absolutely. I really strongly believe in it. And this book is first and foremost a, a clarion call to the young, the younger generations, not only generations X, which has been waiting, that generation has been waiting on the sidelines patiently to have a chance to, to share in the governing. They haven't had much of a shot. They need a chance at that. But for the long term, you know, the folks we ought to be focusing on are, on are millennials and Gen Z. Yep. You know, they're the younger and there are. You know, and they're going to have an awful lot to do with what happens here in the next you know, few years. If they, if we can, we need to prepare them for lives of servant leadership. We need to prepare them for lives of really dedicated, serious dedication to restoring the strength of this country. And they can do that. I, I'm, I'm very, I, I'm very pessimistic. I'm long-term pessimist about the. I'm sorry. I'm a long, a short-term pessimist about where we're going as a people. But I've increasingly become a long-term optimist because I, what I see. And I see it in North Carolina. I've just been just there uh, with family. 
And uh, I, can, I can just tell you that the, the young people coming back from Afghanistan and Iraq, yep. they're, they're first class, first class, and they can both sides of the aisle. They want to get in our politics. We ought to be encouraging them. I'm, I'm working out hard on that. There's a fellow from Charlotte, Rod Barcott, yeah. who has uh, started a group called With Honor. He lived and has been really successful at encouraging uh, uh, young veterans to get to get in the arena. But there's a second group less recognized, but they deserve more. Uh, more attention, and that's uh, young people of color, uh, especially women, black women. Um, I think black women have become have, have taken the moral high ground mm-hmm. on so many issues, and the work they've done. And I, I don't share their politics; they're the left of me. But I celebrate them for getting in the arena and working their tails off to get make this a better country. Now, you being from North Carolina, you understand that you know the the old money seems to get rid of the young people, and, and then you get the media on their side, and all of a sudden the media is looking up dirt on on everything on these these up and comers. Yeah, that's a nice phrase. Old money, you know, you know, working against young people. That's a that's a very nice put phrase. Um, I, I I do think that, and I think it's I, I think that listen, this is this is hard work. Nobody is going to uh, turn this place upside down, turn the nation upside down. There are too many forces the other way around. Well, what but over over time, listen, I think the, the business community is beginning to change. I think they're yeah. reimagining capitalism. They're taking it. It's not just about uh, uh, shareholders, but about stakeholders. Um, I see the universities are t- becoming more serious. Uh, I've been involved at Duke and at Elon a lot, you know, in North Carolina. Um, and I see that. But I, I, I so I, I, I'm persuaded that the next few years can be a turnaround time for us. And, but we have to work hard at it, and we've got to have a lot of patience and perseverance because they're going the forces in favor of status quo and elitism are are powerful. Yeah. Do you see Madison Cawthorn of North Carolina as being a distraction, or do we see him as somebody that we can study so that we don't act like him, or maybe we need to be as strong as him? I think we ought to study him as an example of where to go wrong, how, how easy it is to go wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, of all things, isn't it kind of weird how North Carolina seems to be a magnet to stuff like that? Um, <laughs> uh, it, it is, and um, I, some of my most formative years were spent in North Carolina politics. I, I worked. I, I first got into politics when Terry Sanford was governor. Yes. Yeah, and he was a you know he was a charismatic figure. He was our John F. Kennedy, uh, but Terry took it upon himself to uh, you know fight the Klan. And uh, I got very involved with that. And I must, I must, and I tell the story in the book. You know, I thought I was going to die there at one point. Mm. But it, working with Terry was a was a grand experience, and it gave me again uh, more faith in in the power of change and the people who can want change. And especially in North Carolina, I've seen. You know, there are two North Carolinas, uh, and there, there's the one that uh, tends to be to the east east coast, yep. more much more conservative, and also in the mountains the areas. And then there's the Piedmont area, which is, tends to be you know, more you know, center left. And they, they, uh, and the universities represent much of that center left uh, spirit. Uh, and we've never really said this. We go back and forth in North Carolina. But, you know, we have strong Republican group, we have a strong Democratic group, and we clash a lot. And over time, we're going to have to learn how to live together. It's going to take it's going to take some time. Well, I'm so proud of you for releasing this book, and I can't wait to spend more time with you because your your story and your dedication to our community is just through the roof. Well, I, I appreciate that very much, and if I can, I, I, 
I'm, I'm, I want to be do all I can to help North Carolina. Absolutely. That, 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 that's home for me in many ways. <laughs> I love it. Please come back to the show anytime in the future, David. Okay, Harold. Thank you so much. You're kind. <laughs> First the trailer, and then when we come back, we'll be unplugged and totally uncut with actor D.B. Woodside. People like to tell me things. Those deep, dark, naughty little desires that are on their mind. And you're not marrying this human stain because you're actually in love with him, right? Oh, God, no. No. Oh, my. I can't believe I just said that. Must be something about his face. Remember me? Can I have your autograph? Did I sell my soul to the devil? So the devil made you do it, did he? The alcohol and the drugs, the topless selfies. The choices are on you, my dear. Pull yourself together. (laughs) Any witnesses? Lucifer Morningstar. Is that a stage name? God-given, I'm afraid. Why don't you tell me something? How does she end up dying in a hailstorm of bullets and you get away without a scratch? The benefits of immortality. What will your corrupt little organization do about this? We're done here. Someone out there needs to be punished. Stop caring. You're the devil. I think you have a visitor. Your return to the underworld has been requested. Let me just uh, check my calendar. Here it is. The 7th of never through to the 15th of ain't gonna happen. How does that work for you guys? (laughs) Try it. You think father's upset now? He will not be merciful for much longer. We should be out there punishing those responsible. Come on, I'll help you. How could you possibly help me? I have the ability to draw out people's forbidden desires. You're psychic or something? No, I can't read people's minds. I'm not a Jedi. Watch and learn, okay? You're thinking about it, aren't you? Do you two know each other? No, no, but I know that look. So I wouldn't recommend it. I'm like walking heroin, very habit-forming. It never ends well. I do yoga. Hot yoga. What did you do to her? Did she roofie her? <laughs> what exactly do you think happens when the devil leaves hell? All of those demons. All of those tormented and tortured souls, where do you think they go? You seem oddly immune to my charms. Referring to them as charms, I think, is a bit of a stretch. Did my father send you? What's your name? Lucifer. You know when a television show is going to be brilliant when right in the center of a Carolina Panthers, Arizona Cardinals game comes on and there is your commercial for that show. <laughs> Fantastic, man. That, not as, uh, 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 hopefully our our trailer was uh, a lot more exciting than uh, that game was. That game was wow. You know? <laughs> but you know what, though? This television show, I was there for the premiere of it. That is the most interesting concept and I can't wait until really all these churches across the country figure out how to 
use that as a tool? Uh, you know what I would actually say to those people because my mother is is uh, 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 one of those people who who's a, a very very uh, big Christian. Uh, you know, I'm I'm talking church on Sundays, Bible study on Tuesdays, uh, and I had a conversation with her and convinced her to sit down and watch it, and she was so happy that I did. So what I would say to all the Christians out there is sit back, relax, give the show a chance because it's not what you think. You will find yourself going away from it, laughing, excited for the next one. And you're going to run onto that that DVR and you're going to say, I did record this for the full season, right? Because it's got that kind of impact to it. Yes, yes, it, yes, it does. You know, it's, it's really kind of uh, the way that I see it. It's we've shot a movie, you know, and the movie takes place over one season. So you don't want to miss any. And you just sit down and go for this ride because we will take you through it this, this first season. Now, as an actor, you got to love Fox for taking a chance like that to make it look like it is a movie and, and the drama and the twists and, and the spins that are taking place. And you can't figure out the cliffhanger. You have to wait till the next week. Yeah, 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 you really do, you know, and uh, I mean, and we all do thank Fox uh, and and the WB um, and DC, you know, uh, every single day because they really allow us to do what we do. And we have this team of amazing writers and they never stop challenging us and they never stop surprising us, which is always the best. Now, your character, Aminadil, is, is a true warrior in this. I mean, he's he's a man on a mission, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Uh, Amenadil, uh, I love him. I mean, you know, uh, he's a guy who doesn't really have any sense of humor. Uh, he's task-oriented, so he kind of has this tunnel vision. And, uh, you know, he's a soldier of and for God. Now, now, your characters in other TV shows and movies and stuff like that have always been that man in the suit, that guy that looks great in the suit. Was it interesting for you to play this kind of a role where you were going to have to do something that was a little bit different? more than interesting. I was screaming to get out of uh, suits and ties. <laughs> screaming! Uh, you know, and the simple fact is, as much as I love my career, as much as I, you know, love to look nice in a suit and tie, that's not my personality. So, if you really get to know me, you know, uh, I'm a jeans and t-shirt kind of guy. I'm very, very physical, very, very active that way. And so, Finally, getting a chance to, to play a character that's that's physical and close closer to my own personality was a chance that I just could not turn down. And you know, in every role that you play, you have this this personality about you that activates emotion. Where does that come out in you? And is that your acting coach saying this is the way you've got to do it, or is that you saying I know I can touch other people on the other side of the screen? You know, uh, I think it's just my way. Uh, you know, I was really, really uh, blessed to uh, go to this amazing um, uh, graduate acting program at the Yale School of Drama. Uh, I'm one of those. I'm one of those 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 Yaleys. And uh, so, for me, every time I I take a look at a script, every time I invest in a character, what I'm trying to do is find. Um, that guy's emotional truth, and so what? Like whatever comes up is is what's there, and hopefully it connects people to whatever character I'm playing, uh, which then I think helps them invest more and and care more. Well, when you talk about investing inside that character, I mean, look who the writer of the show is, Jerry Buckin- Buckheimer. Bruckheimer? Yes, Jerry Bruckheimer, man. Love him. You know, uh, whatever he touches turns to gold. Jerry is uh, great. He's a nice man. Um, very, very, very uh, uh, 
just honored to, to be on one of his shows. So when you when you sit down and you go through the script in the very beginning, I mean, it, what is that like for you as as that regular guy who just happens to be an actor to go through those scripts and watch it come to life that way? It's surreal, you know, because you start out at the beginning and you never know what it's going to be. No matter what anyone says, I've, I've done things where, where I've read scripts that were brilliant and so the show should have been brilliant and it wasn't. And I've looked at scripts where I thought, this is a mess uh, and I don't know how this is going to get, you know, be put together. And then you sit back and then a few months later you take a look at it and it's great. There's just no way to know. So, so you really have to just trust whoever you're working with, uh, that they're going to put together and make the best show humanly possible. And part part of that trust and everything is part of the promotion team, too, because I see that they got you into some Comic-Cons to promote this show. They did, which was, you know, uh, uh, it's a first for me. uh, But since, uh, you know, I do have a little... Uh, you know, uh, uh, nerd, comic book nerd in, uh, in in my past. It's something that I absolutely love. You know, I, I loved it. Is it to, to be out there in front of those fans, because those are some pretty hardcore, dedicated fans. When you have to win them over, was it an easy task to do that? Or because, you know, they'll, they'll walk by and just give you the look sometimes and not have to say anything. Well, I think the thing that makes it a little bit easier for me is, you know, I know it doesn't look like it, but I am secretly one of those, you know? So so I understand the way they think because it's a way that I think. I mean, uh, they just don't like things that are not truthful. And if you're not going to do something that was in the comic book, don't try to lie to them. you got to just tell them the truth up front and tell them to watch anyway. Our show is loosely, very loosely based off of the comic book. So what I tell people right away who are comic book fans of Lucifer, look, come check out the show. It is nothing like the comic book at all. But we create our own mythology and you will enjoy it. So just sit back and go along for the ride. You know, this this is going to have the impact that 24 did, too, because people are going to be talking about this show because this gives you the opportunity to take sides on many different levels. It does. And, you know, one of the things that I love about it, you know, is is that, yes, there's a lot of comedy, which 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 is great for people. So, you know, they get to come home and watch a show where they can laugh. But what's also great in it is that we also touch upon some some issues, which I'm hoping are are things that really make people think and you know you get those water cooler moments you know people walking up to you at work the next day hey did you see lucifer last night and you get into a conversation you know uh those are the types of television shows that i absolutely love i love to be in them and love to watch watch them you know i want people talking about the things that we're talking about on the show and the coolest thing about the modern-day digital t- uh, technology is that they can go to the Fox website and they can see this, the very first premiere episode, over again. Because so, and, and, you know, and it's not going to be too much to get caught up to what's going to be happening tonight. No, 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 not at all. You know, and so I would encourage people who who uh, missed last week's to to go to Fox. Uh, uh, we are all over the place, so there are no excuses. You can find us. You can check it out. Uh, it's just a different type of show than I think people are are used to. Do you, Do you think Amadeo is is the hero, or do you think Lucifer is the hero? I mean, because I mean that it's it's so funny how the two when the two of you get together on that screen you're going uh oh uh oh uh oh and you just want to put it in slow motion like a like a Carolina Panthers game 
<laughs> um, you know, I think it depends on who you're talking to, right? I mean, I I play a, a, a man of deal, so if you're asking me, he's the hero. But I'm sure if you ask my good friend Tom, Tom would say he is. You know, you have two two brothers, one older, one young younger. They love each other, but there's that sibling rivalry. You know, one is always being bad and getting away with it. The other one is always being good and never getting any credit, right? That's just, uh, that's, that's what happens in families. That's, that's, that's that dynamic. And, you know? and, and it's, uh, not, it's not every day that, that a cast like yours has the camaraderie that you do because you and everybody else, there's such a harmony that's going on. It's, it's almost like you guys have done this before. Yeah, I gotta say, uh, this is really strange, but this is a cast where we honestly and sincerely love being around each other. We actually love being around each other. We're always laughing. Uh, we're always having a good time. Uh, uh, you know, we are, we are, you know, headed up by Tom, uh, who is just phenomenal. And, and we have Lauren and we have Leslie Ann, we have Rachel, we have Kevin. Um, it's just a fantastic cast. Did you get to wear those wings at all? Or was that all back screen? You know, something that would not let me uh, walk off set with those wings. I'm still a little hurt by that. Uh, I'm still feeling a little bit bitter. But uh, I'm, I'm, I'm keeping my fingers crossed when, when we, and I'm saying when, when we come back for a season two, that they're going to let me walk off set with those wings. They, they, were pretty, they were pretty impressive, weren't they? Oh, yeah, because when they unwrapped the first time, you went, uh-oh, 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 this is for real now. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And there's definitely more of that to come. Oh, and I, and I can't wait to find out when, when, when Lucifer tries to get into your mind, the way that he's getting into the average everyday person's mind, because th- there is that mystique about that. Him and that, that, that little yeah. accent of his. Yes, yes, there is. But the great thing about that is because they're brothers, they both have... Uh, uh, if I can use the word, they both have different superpowers. Yeah. So uh, his superpower uh, doesn't work on me, and unfortunately mine don't work on him, uh, which is why when we get together, there's, there's always this air of tension that will eventually explode. People like to tell me things. There's deep, dark, naughty little desires that are on their mind. And you're not marrying this human stain because you're actually in love with him, right? Oh, God, no. No. Oh, my. I can't believe I just said that. Must be something about his face. Hey, boss. Remember me? Can I have your autograph? Did I sell my soul to the devil. So the devil made you do it, did he? The alcohol and the drugs, the topless selfies. The choices are on you, my dear. Pull yourself together. Any witnesses? Lucifer Morningstar. Is that a stage name? God-given, I'm afraid. Why don't you tell me something? How does she end up dying in a hailstorm of bullets and you get away without a scratch? The benefits of immortality. What will your corrupt little organization do about this? We're done here. Someone out there needs to be punished. Stop caring. You're the devil. I think you have a visitor. Benazil! Your return to the underworld has been requested. Let me just uh, check my calendar. Here it is. The 7th of never through to the 15th of ain't gonna happen. How does that work for you guys? <laughs> Try it.
You think father's upset now? He will not be merciful for much longer. We should be out there punishing those responsible. Come on, I'll help you. How could you possibly help me? I have the ability to draw out people's forbidden desires. You're psychic or something? No, I can't read people's minds. I'm not a Jedi. Watch and learn, okay? You're thinking about it, aren't you? Do you two know each other? No, no, but I know that look. So I wouldn't recommend it. I'm like walking heroin, very habit-forming. It never ends well. I do yoga. Hot yoga. What did you do to her? Did she roofie her? <laughs> what exactly do you think happens when the devil leaves hell? All of those demons, all of those tormented and tortured souls, where do you think they go? You seem oddly immune to my charms. Referring to them as charms, I think, is a bit of a stretch. Did my father send you? What's your name? Lucifer. Like the devil. Exactly.